Hey, welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast. I'm your host, Max Mosier. Today we talk about Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix. Does it live up to the hype? Is it the movie that the public and the critics are saying it is? We will break that down. We'll get into our top five Joker moments from this movie, and we're going to do a complete spoiler review, top to bottom. So don't listen if you haven't seen it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the Infinity Bros podcast. Hey, welcome to the Infinity Bros podcast, the only podcast that is perfectly balanced, as all things should be. I'm your host, Max Mosier, here today on a very special Joker spoiler review edition. Stop what you're doing if you're listening. If you have not seen the movie Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, May I encourage you to save this podcast and come back later. We are going to be spoiling this movie top to bottom. So we're going to go ahead before we even introduce our Infinity Bros. Slap the spoiler warning right here. This is... Prepare yourself. An Infinity Bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. Warning. All right. We're so glad you're with us today, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for joining us. I'm here with three other Infinity Bros. We're going to start with man sitting on my left. He's in my guest bedroom, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Jones. What's up, Infinity Bros universe? Happy to be in your room. Don't say that to me that way, you freak. <laughs> Is it the eye contact you didn't like? or Because <laughs> you're not even looking at me now. So I'm editing that part out for sure. <laughs> um all the way, <laughs> all the way from beautiful Mound, Minnesota, Isaac Edland. Howdy doody, Infinity Bros universe. And then Robbie, you're you're out in. Do we say the high school that you're coaching at, or like what what what, what geogra- geographic location should I be um, promoting? Technically, for you? I technically I live in Saint Cloud. Saint Cloud. So we're gonna say that all the way from Saint Cloud, Robbie Sauter, the worst city in Minnesota. Literally, hi everyone. He doesn't even deny it. Yeah, Robbie doesn't it. even yeah, go like, yeah, hey, don't say that. No, it's, is it, what it it's is. the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. Robbie, tough losses for us last night uh, in football, man. Football's tough. Football, football's tough. That, that's all I'm going to say. Was there anything to gain from your game last night? Uh, we get to play the JV game on Monday. You're killing it in JV, though. What's your JV record? Four and one. Dude, our uh, ninth grade record's four and two, so we'll take it. We would be five and zero. Oh. We got picked off at the goal line last game. Are you calling offensive plays? Yes. Oh. <laughs> our our the guy that we were throwing the ball to, he slipped. Wait, was it four and one or on the one yard line when you threw this pass? We were we were four and zero. Oh. No, no, no. What, no, what no, down was it? Yeah, what down in yardage? Oh, it was like I think it was second and nine. And How much our, time? We've, 40 seconds left. How many timeouts did you have? Yeah, how many timeouts? We didn't have any. Okay, okay. okay. that makes yeah. more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Then. So, yeah, we threw we threw a little pop pass to our tight end. Uh, would have been wide open. He slipped. Uh, it bounced okay. off another. It bounced off one of their players' backs and then bounced into their players' hands for an interception, and we lost the you game. You can always count on the pop pass from the JV level oh, yeah. and lower. You can always count on that. Oh, gosh. The pop pass is amazing. Lakeville South, when we lost to them a couple weeks ago, they they had one player where they popped past us. I had four guys 
two feet away from each from the tight end, all like legitimately two feet away. They literally just threw it in the one spot because it's such a good route to run on that level. But mm-hmm. I digress. Hey, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, uh, we're so grateful you're with us. This is going to be an all Joker episode, as we talked about at the beginning. Uh, we're going to be spoiling this movie uh, top to bottom. We all went and saw it. Um, if you haven't kind of heard, we've talked a lot, I think almost at nauseum at this point, about what we've thought this movie is going to be. We've talked about some of the criticism that it's received. We've talked about Mark, is it Marin? Yep. Mark Marin and his comments about how it's not a typical comic book movie and how that set some of us off for others of us. It's been like, whatever, you're just kind of pandering to yourselves. And um, so we're going to break this movie down uh, and uh, we're, we're going to give our uh, rankings of this movie. So if this is your first time listening to us, we want you to be familiar with our ranking system. Here on the Infinity Bros podcast, Everything is ranked from a 0 to 6 point scale. 0 meaning horrible, and 6 meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a 6, it gets an Infinity Snap. Alright, let's go ahead and open this up and give it a talk through. Joker is a gritty character study of Arthur Fleck, a man disregarded by society, who turns in to one of the most famous, infamous villains known as the Batman. This movie stars Joaquin Phoenix. You mean the Joker? I'm sorry, the Joker. I said the Batman. <laughs> you spoiled it's the ending. He's actually it's Batman. It's 9 a.m. I'm sorry. Too early for podcasting. It's too early. I'm already a... <laughs> Spoiler alert, though. Um, Joaquin Phoenix uh, stars in this movie as Arthur Fleck. Robert De Niro plays Murray Franklin. Zazie Beetz plays Sophie Dumond. Francis Conroy plays Penny Fleck. Brett Cullen plays Thomas Wayne. Shea Wiggum plays Detective Burke. Bill Camp plays Detective Garrity. Glenn Fleshler as Randall. Leigh Grill as Gary. And a slew of other characters, that uh, actors that I don't think many of us know. Mark Maron is in this as well. We know we talked about him, you too. Know, I got I got I want to talk about Mark Maron for a sec. Go ahead. You know, for the crap he gave, you know, comic book movies yeah. and what he said and how everyone like focused on that for a little bit mm-hmm. he was in the movie for like a minute yeah he was not in the movie at all and he's a total total todd for that if you ask me i mean i i totally get it the guy that played alfred was a little thicker too yeah or not Don't a fan think? of I, a thick thick no anyone? i mean we're all big guys i'm just alfred like when i when i think of my alfred i don't think of him as a uh a thick man to be honest well, I mean, what aspect are we coming in? If he's young and he's out of his, what would be the British intelligence? Yeah. If he's just actually more jacked. Yeah, that's true. He and maybe, he, been you know, then 30 know. years of not working out, he you know becomes yeah. a thin old I mean, he's, man. He's wearing a three-piece suit, so you might not be able to see the, that's fair the build too. underneath it, you know? I like how thick was the word you went with that, though. Well, I thought that it would get you riled up. I I don't know if riled's right Do you consider work. yourself riled up right now? Oh, I don't know. Okay. You tell that's me. That's good. Uh, this movie was directed by Todd Phillips. Uh, also, uh, uh, Scorsese produced it. Am I correct on that? I'm double check. I want to double check that real quick. I don't know if he was the executive, but I'm, in the early stages, I think he was a producer. And so, uh, yeah. Th- th- Wait, but comic book movies are just theme parks. We will get to that as well, Robbie. <laughs> I know his name was attached to this movie at the beginning. And it's written by Todd Phillips and Scott silver as well i wanted to give him credit as well for this um it um how long was this movie that was the two hours two minutes i bet about, yeah about two hours five minutes two hours so. one minute mark 
Oh, one minute. Look at you, nice. Mark. Two hours, one minute. Someone did their homework. Someone did their homework. Someone's reading IMDb. They got the Batwoman thing around it, too. That's not that's not awkward at all. Um, we're going to go ahead and rate this movie. We're going to go ahead and start with our DC fan nerd, giving him the first word. We are going to rate it. And um, just give us a quick review of it, and then we'll kind of get into the conversation. Okay. Um, start off with the rating. I would probably give it... I think it's a solid five. I don't. I don't think it's a solid six. And here's why. I think. I think, as a film in itself, it's it's pretty amazing. The acting is amazing. The the writing's amazing. The cinematography's amazing. The the score that they use, and, and even some of the that's life songs type of songs they use are are really great, and they they fit well. I, I don't give it a six because I think in the climate that we're in, this movie's a little scary. Uh, we'll get more into that. I don't I don't know if that's a hundred percent warranted or not. It's it's kind of an argument to have. Um, and, and and maybe they 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 were trying to build it at the beginning, but the first I don't know half an hour, you're kind of waiting for something to happen. And I mean, it's a drama, but it's not it's not your typical comic book movie. But that was kind of the the interesting thing coming in. You don't really know what's going to happen in this movie because we're all kind of in the dark about it. The trailers were all a little weird and you're not sure if you're going in for a comic book movie or if you're going in for a piece of art, essentially. And I think by the end of it, you definitely got a piece of art out of this. Are you saying comic book movies aren't art? I've been, uh, <laughs> they are a different medium. This is the type of art that the Oscar, uh, buzz and Oscar, uh, winners use. This isn't yet the type of art that, that the Oscars, the Oscars don't like comic book movies. I mean, I think we all can agree on that. Um, but this is the type of movie that can be considered a comic book movie that the Oscars will absolutely love. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. We'll, I think we'll talk that. about that a little more as we go. Um, yeah, but great thoughts, Robbie. Thanks for that. And and I'm I'm really glad you brought up the this movie is scary because I do think that is a touching point we need to get to because it was such a – we talked about it for so long in a couple other episodes. So I think we just got to – I think now that we've seen it, we can really give a really full opinion on it. So let's go to you, Isaac. All right, so I was able to see it last night. Uh, one of the f- the second movie in my entire life that I've actually gone to by myself. I never, ever, ever go to movies by myself. But I felt like this is one that I needed to see and experience for myself before we did a podcast on it. So I will, if I if I could shorten my review to two words, here's what I would say. Pleasantly surprised. And I would give it a 5 out of 6. I know we gave it a ton of flack, really, in many, many podcast episodes coming up to it. And that was basically just on the marketing and all the junk that people were saying about it. Like, you know, Scorsese slash uh, Phillips slash even Joaquin Phoenix got in there a little bit at the end. Mark Maron. Yeah, Mark Maron. Yeah, like all the guys that were just kind of giving comic book movies flack, basically. Um, So I kind of went into it almost with a grain of salt, I guess. And I think that made my experience better because I 
because of that, maybe my expectations were a little bit lower, even though the reviews we were hearing were off the charts, like everybody was saying it was amazing. I just kind of was like, hmm, I don't know. We'll see. So I went in and I was I was blown away in the sense that I kind of kind of what Robbie said, movie-wise, amazing. Just some really, really dark tones, which, you know, were expected, but still shocking to see. So, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely excited to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions on it. And solid five out of six for me. I, I don't think it's a movie that I will buy slash watch often because of the dark tones and just heavy type of movie it is. But it was a good movie. Very, very well made. Mark, let's go to you. Remember when we thought The Dark Knight was a dark comic book movie? Oh my gosh, yes, I do. And I'd also, I'm looking forward to you guys saying that it, or at least you have, that it's a scary movie. I didn't, I didn't take that into consideration or even think about that watching the movie that it was scary. I wasn't think I wasn't saying it was scary. Those were my like words. Yeah, I think scary. those were my words, yeah. not yeah, Robbie's. It's okay. pretty yeah, spooky for Max. I mean... There's a lot of... It's not spooky, but I'll clarify my, my scary comments in a bit. Could you imagine if, like, Minneapolis was under fire with a bunch of clown-wearing mask people? You'd be... Lo- you'd, you'd move out. You'd be like, we're going north. I'd be done. I couldn't do it. Um, I think, like, going off of Robbie, I think it is a really well-done movie, and I think, yeah, I think Joaquin Phoenix should win the Academy and Oscar for his role as, I mean... He disappeared into that. I mean, he did body transformation. He didn't sound like himself. And I would give this movie a six out of six. Wow. All right. Yeah. I'll go. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we're going to go into, into length on a lot of things, but um, I'll echo a lot of what you guys are saying. Um, first off, I'm going to start off. This movie didn't just surprise me. It shook me. Um I have been unbelievably negative for years about how Heath Ledger has been celebrated. I have consistently and and for years have communicated anybody can do the Joker role. I have believed that wholeheartedly. I have fought that. I have I have kind of stuck my flag in the ground on this subject. And this movie has completely shifted that opinion for me. Um I believe this is the greatest Joker performance of all time. I've, I've sat on it for two days. Um, there's no escaping this movie in my head of like, it's it's brilliance. I have tried to find flaws just out of just pure bias. I cannot. Um, this movie is unbelievably scary because it could really happen. This movie is scary because there is no Batman to save the day. Um, not yet, but no, he's not there because he's a kid. Yeah, yeah. Like they set they they make you they make that very clear. He's not coming. Um, this movie is the this is literally to me a this is a character study that for for months we have talked about on this show especially how um how this is going to encourage people that in our, and you alluded to this, Robbie, how we have shooters who are copycats who romanticize these characters and they, they, they try to copy them and they try to basically say, this is me. 
And I believe this movie communicates, hey, that's actually not what's happening. What's happening is society is encouraging it. And we watch in this movie, the Joker only starts to really be evolving and really come to fruition when society starts to celebrate this man. And they don't understand what they're celebrating. And it's frightening, and it's haunting, and it's so real, it shook me. Is, does it shook you because the people he attacked were one percenters? <laughs> no. I appreciate the joke, though, in the comment of like dark communication here. I do appreciate that to leave the, uh, relieve the tension here. I, I, I'll add, too, my experience was absolutely horrible. Robbie, you weren't here when we were talking before the show, but I had a guy snoring for, I mean, very loudly snoring, like ruining my movie experience from the moment that he visits the psychiatric ward to find out about his mother on the basically the last 45 minutes of the movie. And this movie still, to me, gets a six out of six. It, it, it shines through. This is DC's best work by a mile. This Nolan, Nolan and, and Ledger, if he was alive, would be Ledger would be freaking out over this. I think he would love this movie. Joaquin Phoenix has absolutely changed the genre. This is an unbelievable performance, and I was dead wrong about Joker. I was wrong. This is not a performance that anybody can do because I believe only Joaquin Phoenix could have done it, and I, I, I'm truly shifting back to the other side. I'm, and I'm, I'm claiming it on here because, Robbie, you and, you and Isaac have said this, for, and, and Mark, you've said this for years to me, that Ledger's role was special. I didn't see it. I see it now. I, I see Ledger's special performance, and I see Joaquin Phoenix's special performance here. This is a remarkable film, and Todd Phillips should be celebrating. I don't like the arrogance of the comic book genre because I do believe it helped this movie get a big box office opening this weekend, and we'll talk about those numbers. Um, but but I will say to you that I was shocked. They proved all of the communication that we had said wrong, and I owe an apology to that. I owe an apology to, to, to Warner Brothers for that because – this is what DC can do when they do it right. This is why the DC brand has the ability to be better at times than Marvel because they can do this and Marvel cannot. I don't think Marvel can step into this. So let's break it down. Let's talk about it a little more. Go I, ahead, Mark. I got one tidbit. You, you brought up the the DC part. I don't think there was a DC opening to this. There was not. So it was all the, it was so all the, the Warner Brothers. Yeah. The common people would be like, you know, is this a DC movie or yeah. is well, you know what I found, I found was interesting is is when they, the first, I think, probably 15, 20, 30 minutes, we don't hear anything about it being Gotham or being, like, there's Arkham around or anything. And I was like, are they even, like, going to touch that this is Gotham? And then, like, I think the first thing you hear is... Thomas Wayne, right? Uh, yeah, the first thing you hear is Thomas Wayne, and then you're like, oh, there it is. But it's like, it's like 15 minutes into the movie, like, which is, it's kind of amazing. They build, they're already building this Gotham world up, but you don't even know it's Gotham yet. Like you could watch this movie, not knowing it's a Joker movie. Like if you don't know the title, you could watch this movie for first 15 minutes and have no idea that it's in the DC world. Right. And what they're trying to do there is they're trying to make it seem like this is, this is the real world. This is not like some comic book world way far away. Totally fantasy. Like this is like, Hey, this could be happening right now, right here. And that, and that's what I thought, like Robbie, it's amazing that you said that. Cause I just, this came back to my mind watching the first part of that movie, like seeing the city landscape, like, oh, I wonder where this is supposed to be. And then I realized like, oh, this is supposed to be Gotham. Like I was thinking like, oh, what big city did they film this in? It was probably in Canada, but like they do every movie. Um, yeah. Cause a lot of times like movies will spoon feed 
like Gotham. Like so, a lot of times they'll do like a panning shot where you see like the Gotham sign or whatever. There's some Gothic, and then it's the city or whatever. This or is just they start with they start with yeah they start with the radio talking about all the trash everywhere and all the super rats and stuff like that and you're just like no one no one has said what town this is like usually that's a moment in movies where they spoon feed you Gotham City Central Radio here or something like that but no they don't they they hold it off for a while and you're just kind of like where are we right now and then yeah then you get Thomas Wayne before you even get Gotham or anything yeah let's go ahead and let's go ahead and break some of this stuff down I'm, I I kind of just um, have organized some thoughts based on either themes, characters, actors, different things like that. Um, obviously, we'll we'll break this movie down as much as we can. Uh, let's let's go ahead and start with the low hanging fruit, Joaquin Phoenix, um, who I believe we're all in agreement that this has to be an Oscar nomination at minimum. I mean, the character he played in Arthur Fleck, um, as like this troubled, mentally ill person with you know what seemed to be a supporting mother but you know living in a crap neighborhood in a crap apartment and just seeing him basically like we talked about in the beginning society rip him down and himself ripping himself down and his afflictions with the the laughing disorder whether or not that was real or not when you come to the end of it and just i mean the part when he's on the bus and he's making the kid laugh and the mom just says stop you know, bothering my child, and it's like he wasn't intentionally Scrooge trying. Her, by the way, but it's just that's it. That's like that. If you ha- if you had to like take one 10 second clip to like represent this movie, that would almost be one I want to go with. Like the dude was had no evil intentions. Well, yeah, and that's one of the TV spots that they came out with earlier because that it really was. I mean, that's what captured my attention. I feel like for the film because the first full trailer really didn't do anything for me. And yeah, that, I mean that scene had watching it. it's like he had no evil intentions no psychotic intentions and someone he was just bringing joy and then he went that nervous tick and you just you can just see the pain it's like this cringe moments it's like that w- if it was on tv i'd be like i need to flip the channel and i gotta wait 20 seconds to go back to it because it was just like they just oh man that just bothered the me. way that he the way that he went through that that pain when he was laughing and you could like oh my see gosh. it well, in the first couple times, you're like, is he just laughing? Like, he doesn't, like, you're just, is he just doesn't understand, like, normal common sense? Like, is he just being weird? And then you, like, see him struggle to, like, stop laughing. And then you're like, oh, this is, this yeah, is not something where he he's, like, choking this is, like, on his laugh. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. He's, that was heavy. And he does that throughout the movie, obviously, until the end where he has a different thought about it. But it's just, man, it, that, that that's one of those things that Max, you were just talking about. Where like I don't know how many how many other actors could do this, but like that looked that looked brutal just to do. I don't I don't physically get how he did it. Like I like it it's kind of one of those things where Nicholson Nicholson was decent, but I don't. The only laugh I can compare it to is is Hamill, but it's it's got the pain and the anarchist kind of vibe to Ledger to it. And it is, I mean, that first time I heard that laugh, I got chills and I was like, this is what this is going to be. And I, I thought it was a brilliantly explained thing because I saw in the trailer, all these laughs. I'm like, this guy's going to be a psycho and he is a psycho, but not for the reasons you think he's literally trying not to be bad. He's mentally ill. That's yeah. He's, he's not mentally ill. He's not psychotic and 
in a sense where he's Heath Ledger's Joker, where he's just a murderer anarchist. He's yeah. literally a dude who had a few bad days on top of his mental illness and is now a dangerous to society. And every person he goes to for assistance along the way fails him. Yeah, like the part... Every single one. The part where he's going to like the government aid thing that gives him a prescription. Like, oh, they cut funding. So now we have this psychotic person on the street without medication. And there's there's nothing he can go do. And he is at that point where thinking, oh, he's self-aware enough to know that he needs this medication. His mom. Let's talk about his mom for a bit. Actually, hold on. Let's 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 finish this. Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Isaac, what did you think of his transformation going full fledged Joker, like third act of the film? Do we, first of all, do we know how many pounds he lost for this role? Because he was Holy just cow, like gaunt and just haunting with his his physical. I think it was appearance. like thirty pounds. Like is what I've he, heard. I mean, he when he's, went when he's pulling when he's pulling on the right. shoe. Like, just creepy, nasty, weird, like, body vibes going on. And it just fit the role, like, so perfectly. If you've seen, if you've seen Christian Bale's uh, The Machinist, that's the only, only piece of cinema I can even compare what he looked like in this. Because, like, and those two are, are pretty notorious for doing things like that. But, man, just to put your body through that. Yeah, and... Yeah, so he just he just I mean obviously went all in for this role and like you guys have already been talking about like he just he just played that laugh so perfectly and just you you felt that he didn't want to laugh but he just couldn't help it and it was just just creepy like that's how I would describe the whole movie it's disturbing just unsettling and kind of eerie you know and it just fit right into the whole vibe of the movie. So I mean, Joaquin Phoenix just just knocked this one out of the park, and he it, it's definitely a six out of six performance. Definitely deserves some Oscar consideration at least. Man, it was fantastic. Can I hit real quick on his on his laugh again? Um, <clears throat> there are times where he where I don't think he understands normal like general yeah at the co- like, like at the comedy club people. or at or at the. The, cl- the clown place where he laughs at the guy's jokes and then when yeah, he, he walks away he just stops laughing like you like yeah, that's the one that's the creepy one laugh is his mention. fake laugh yeah the the creepiest laugh is his fake laugh because then you can always tell it's his fake laugh when he just stops right away like he doesn't he just thinks he needs to laugh at those moments he doesn't know how to laugh normally like that's another and when you can like tell the difference that's another just piece of acting that's just amazing I, that laugh is even that laugh is creepy too, and he's trying to be happy there. Like it's, man, the balance that he had, and uh, I don't know. What did, that's probably one of the let's, let's, best, best pieces of the movie. Let's get to the third act, kind of that transformation. What did we think of kind of because as this movie goes, he's evolving clearly from a man who is avoiding his destiny to his destiny or realizing what his destiny is because remember how he talks about he doesn't know i think he's his purpose i think and that is his purpose yeah i think he's avoiding who he is and i think he the whole movie is you you can see it from the first scene on that this is who he's gonna be and and it's 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 not like most movies where you kind of have no idea where you hope it's going to get there, and then in most movies it feels good. This is one of those movies where you don't want him to go there, and you're forced to kind of watch it the whole way. 
and this third act really hits strong, and I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time on that in terms of the content and what it means and what our interpretations of it were. What did we think of his performance when he fully transitioned into the Joker? And I believe that moment truly happened when he put all the paint on um, and when he's walking down the stairs heading to the uh, heading to the show. What did you guys think of that? That was a great, great scene, seeing the full transformation, him buying in, being all in on his on who he believes he needs to be and what his intentions are. Cause what we were leading up to is he was going to tell a joke and kill himself. And I think at the point where he's in the studio is when he makes that decision to um, shoot Robert De Niro's character. Yeah. Unbelievably. Like well. he yeah. thought, he thought his last joke was going to be killing himself on, you know, public or live television. And then he, he saw the flip. And I think internalized that, he is not the problem. It's society that's the problem. It, it's kind of interesting that throughout the beginning of the movie, uh, he he kept saying, my mom said I was put on this earth to put a smile on people's faces, and that's exactly what he did with all those masks that people mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm. And that's just another piece of beautiful connection that they made. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Mark. You don't see his I, – I was thinking his full his – full, uh, convergence into the joker was when he kills gary at his apartment but it's not because even when he was going to the theater like his plan was still to kill himself at least in our in what we saw his plan was still to kill himself and then when he's there he you know can you introduce me as joker like he had like after seeing what was going on the streets he he had changed his mind and had a different view on what he was going to do realize what he has did and what people are thinking of him is like yeah it fed into his ego to be like i should continue doing this this is who i'm supposed to be he he realizes his purpose and murray franklin gives him the name so his father figure throughout the whole movie gives him that name and so he it continues to romanticize that role and man i, I just i tell you what joaquin phoenix we've talked about how his body contorted in the in the in the laughs and kind of the first and second act but that third act he looked like a completely different person he looked completely different yeah cuz he he like what you guys were talking about earlier accepted his what he thought was his destiny so he was like a happier person i guess you could kind of say like he just knew what he was he knew what he was going to go do so the whole movie he was kind of fighting against his destiny or whatever you want to call it and then now he accepts it and he's just like all right now i now i know what i'm supposed to do in this world even though it's obviously very misguided but that's what he felt yeah he turned into the he turned into the prince he turned into the clown prince of crime after he had after all of those clowns killed those or beat up those cops we don't know if they died or not but like that's what they they said critically injured yeah what we yeah and then then he gets to yeah, and then he gets to the theater, and like then that's kind of when the turn happens. Like you see his his face is completely different. He has this this I don't know if, how you'd say it an evil confidence about him, where like he's he's now confident to say what he wants. He he understands what's going on in the city, even though he he says he doesn't want to be a part of it. Like he doesn't condone any of that. I don't you know buy in on that as much as you want. But in the end, then he has that conversation with Murray is is tough like and, and, and like what like what, what you were saying max with how how that how that really can translate to real life 
um like he says he says a bunch of stuff like you people look down on us if i was dead on the street you guys would walk right over me kind of thing but if there's two cops and everyone freaks out and like that's it's pretty accurate like if there's a homeless guy in the street yeah well yeah it's that same kind of thing but like if there's a homeless guy dead on the street i mean we totally well, do and the, and the perfect example is the the subway killings he when he kills those guys it's like um we know because we saw that these dudes are drunk intoxicated entitled and try to they try to rape this girl well i don't know that's i think that's what they were alluding sure to. but, the, I, I but really then do. okay then they beat up uh arthur fleck and then they're portrayed as you know these innocent yep. up-and-comer wall street kids who you know were the best thing since sliced bread and that's what society portrays because that's what we're led to believe but we have no idea what the context anything is so we're so it shows a pretty good allegory on what the news and media will tell you. And then behind the actual context and, and actual details is not the truth. So I think that's what kind of blew him up is he knew Arthur Fleck knew, or maybe not knew, but um, I'm trying to say, got that I kind of saw that there is a problem within society. Totally. And I think that, again, fed more into his eagle. Let's talk about this for a little bit. We find out, we, we get kind of two big air quotes surprises. I think the first one was Thomas Wayne potentially being his father. Yeah, that blew my mind. I thought that like, was a little wild. And, and, I, I, and I'm still trying to figure out, uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. The one I want to talk about, though, is the realization that Zazie Beats was never, ever with him at all. And it, it brings this point that I walked out of the theater going, what is real? What's not? Mm-hmm. Is the mom like there's part of me that was like, is the mom real? Is any of this real? Is this a convoluted perspective of what he's is he really not like this at all? Was he just messed up from the get go and, and nobody messed him up? Like it brings along this message to it. Is there anything in this movie that you walked away from going? What's real? What's not? After you re- yeah. made this realization, they perfectly like and how they ended the movie was perfect. Like you have. He's in that room with that lady um, who looks a lot like the social worker, which is another thing that makes you think like, wait, what's going on? And then when he walks out of that room, he has blood on his feet. So you're thinking, did he kill her? Did he not kill her? Like after what you just saw, you're just like, you're questioning everything at that moment. Like, did he get caught? And now he's in there talking to her. Did he just kill her? Is the joke or, his whole life or is the joke right, that Th- Thomas right, Wayne got exactly, shot? Exactly. Like. Or has he just been in that room talking to her and this is the story he's giving her and we don't know what's real. And the blood, the blood is just, uh, oh, you're going to have to guess. Who knows? Kind of thing. It was also aesthetically pleasing as well on the eye. The shot was beautiful with the blood on the ground. Let's be real, too. The art, the art was, was majestic. You could see the, like, you, you can see the madness just in an eye. Like, they did their job. And I, I, I thought Zazie Beats absolutely crush her role too and just that scene when arthur goes into her room for what is probably his last ditched effort to have a normal life mm-hmm. in his head he believes this is my last opportunity and she shuts him down right away because it's flaming. well in his head like they're in a relationship so he feels like he can go in there and also what is there is there a scene and this is might i might have to do a second viewing but I swear he's in her apartment earlier in the movie. Like, he's doing something in her apartment without her. 
So it's like, this is probably his, this isn't his first time just being in her apartment without her knowing, you know? Yes, there was a scene before where he had walked around and looked at her costumes and she had like like outfits and stuff. Yeah, there was a scene of that. You're right. Yeah, and when she when she that was the one time she wasn't involved, and you were like, "Wait, whose apartment is this?" Because it wasn't his, but like you weren't really sure. But most likely, he was just walking around in the lady who doesn't know him's apartment, which was insane. I I picked up, I, I and I don't know if this is just me like just not believing it because like we already know he's a psycho and we know that he was off his meds. But I was like, I was like, is this as a Beats thing? It's like, is she actually like around? Right. It was just kind of jarring. Like she just likes him, even though everybody else hates him. Like just. Yeah. So that that didn't surprise me. I thought that was pretty easy to pick up on. It was easy to pick up on. But sense. I guess I've been trained so much as a totally. I've just been trained as a moviegoer to have hope. And that's what this movie does. It plays on my hope, similarly to Infinity War, how it ends with Thanos killing half of the planet. You don't expect that ending because you've been trained up to that point to believe this is how a movie should end. And in this movie, I've been trained my, my whole life in movies to believe there's a hope. There's something good in every movie. And this was that speck of hope. This was them giving us kind of that sweet taste of, okay, there might be a chance here, and maybe she's just going to die or she's going to break up with him, and that's going to be the reason he freaks out. When in reality, See, I, it wasn't any I, of that. I agree with you there. Yeah. I it, thought that that was going to playing. be another one of his tipping point, points. And, yeah. and looking back at it, our first scene with her is in the elevator. Am I right on that? Yeah. And then the next scene we have with her, she knows his name, but he never introduced himself to her. So, like, looking right. back, it's like, of, of course well, she's and, never, yeah you know, and when when they're leaving him. that totally. scene and well, he I, turns and, back to her and he you know puts his fake gun to his head and blows his head or whatever she like makes a weird face and it's like it's so creepy yeah she's being nice but you can tell that she's like okay that was weird and then and then all of a sudden the next scene she's like oh he's my friend like you know it's just kind of like oh that's some something, something's weird there you want to know how i knew that that she was like not real she went out to a comedy club and she's a single parent <laughs> yes. with the kids. Yes, yes, that's so true. Living in those apartments, like that's how I knew. She, that's how I knew she wasn't real. And she didn't say anything about his unbelievably <laughs> yeah, she, she horrible. Just like was like, oh yeah, it's fine. Let's go have fun afterwards. Well, they showed the scene of her. She they showed the scene of her smiling during that, and and we're supposed to, and we're led to believe that like after he gets over that hump, he does well too with the music and the score. But yeah, and in that part, you think that. It, you think that part's in his head because at the end of the comedy club, he, they you know put on the the applause track and like put the big lights on him. So it, they make you think that that part is in his head, which obviously it is because he's a terrible comedian. But then it just continues on, and she's just like, "Oh yeah, let's go, let's go frolic in the streets and look at these things and have fun and blah blah blah." And it's just like, "Oh okay." Yeah, <laughs> all the garbage. Let's go walk around City. all the Let's garbage. Go. Let's go on a tour. This is a great. This is a great callback to the Killing Joke too. I mean, just uh, the comedy club stuff was. I, I felt like that was a great way to kind of pay homage to that. The fact that these jokers, pun intended, had the audacity to say that this isn't a comic book movie, or to even allude that comic book 
film right. is not yeah, like there was real. enough and then you make and then you make this reference right there's you, enough you, bones in there for comic book fans that this is a comic book movie on on top of that you do the killing of bruce wayne's parents on top of that you allude to the fact and we're going to get into that in a second that he is batman's brother which isn't that a recent run robbie am i correct on that 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 just came up wasn't that Court of Owls? Am I correct? Am I, am I wrong on that? Or am I over, am I not? But you can, you can go The Dark Knight okay, Returns with sorry. the talk show and killing the talk show host. Yeah, I was going to say, that was the other one I was going to reference. I mean, didn't kill the whole, you know, audience, but... Did did anyone pick up on the homage to Heath Ledger's Joker? The car ride scene at the end? Well, the car ride and how he picks, how he looks at the camera. It looked exactly like... I, I mean, it, it was... This movie referenced so many comic books for Batman that it was like... It was uh, that yeah, was we were one step away from walking Phoenix of a mustache and putting on the face paint. To I mean, homage to honestly, I I to walk, Batman sixty six, and, and there were homages to other things like obviously Taxi Driver. Mark, you called that by the oh, way. Oh, the with the, Taxi Driver. No, no, no. I I called the the King of Comedy, the, the King of Comedy, and Taxi and, Driver. And after I brought that up, I've even Rich Eisen on his podcast talked about how it mirror. He thought it mirrored that. So you it's brought like, it up first, Mark. So we're gonna give you the credit. Well, I said Rich I did. Eisen I would. I would like to say though, like before, before we, you know, on all of the things that we've mentioned, uh, like we talked about Joker. How many podcasts before this? Like every single one of them, I was like, I think this is gonna be a good movie, but it's not gonna be a good comic book movie. And I think I was like half right obviously it was a good movie but it it didn't it still had the comic book like world of gotham but it didn't feel like it you know like it felt like it was the real world but it still had that whole comic well it's because we got we got pre-batman gotham though well the the last podcast i was on i had mentioned that this movie probably could have been done without actually throwing in the comic book stuff and i still believe that like I, I, all the comic book stuff makes it makes it more interesting. I think. Yeah. I mean, it could have been done, but I, I'm glad they did because it made it like it made it just I don't know gave the little you know Easter eggs that we as comic book fans wanted. So it I, and I didn't think they were gonna do that. So I'm glad they did. But imagine you cut that stuff out. It's just a it's just a dive into being a psycho movie. Essentially, it's Taxi Driver basically. Yeah, it is. It's it's, and I think that might be my gripe in this movie. It's a very small gripe, but I think they did not need to do as much Batman stuff as they did in regards to Bruce Wayne. Well, we only got like thirty seconds of Bruce Wayne. Well, but like we to get ton. to have him, have his parents die at the end that way, I was like, I understand the I understand the illustration. I do understand the dichotomy of of their origin stories essentially being tethered together. I mean, you kind of almost in a comic book sense can't get it away from that. It almost kind of fits still because of all the chaos that was going in there, uh, going on at the time. So it like it didn't feel out of place to me, but it did like they didn't have to do it for sure. It definitely was shoehorned in a little bit. I think they put a perfect balance of comic book stuff to make comic book fans happy. Because when they when when they when you had the when you had the thought that it it might be they might be brothers, there was people in the theater going, <gasps> and then you have then you had, you 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 first see the the name of the play the 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 Zorro thing, and then people are already going, oh, we we know what's gonna happen. Even though we've seen Bruce's parents killed a million times, it's still like holy crap, the Joker made this happen, so this happened, so Bruce's parents died. 
and you're just like holy crap and for a while there i thought i thought it was going to be joker was going to be the one to kill thomas wayne because of where they were going and then they you know they put a kibosh to that kind of i'm so glad they the didn't movie. do that yeah and, and that would have been too totally that would have been a a very damning decision yeah but yeah, I think for if they want to call it a comic book movie and say it's Joker, I think they put the perfect amount of comic book related things into this movie to make it a comic movie. Absolutely. I'm still I, on the I'm still on the side that you don't need to have that stuff in there. Like this could have been called anything. No, I again, Robbie, my own my feedback on this movie and the comments made before it is it's okay if you want to do that. I've always said that. I'm like do it if you want, but don't you yeah, dare which they go did, ripping like, comic so book movies long beforehand. If you're going, and they did, and then they, f- and then they freaking put this yeah, in. That was it. Drives that me was nuts. A little annoying. It it drove. It, it is, and 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 I again, I'm grading the film. I'm not grading these boneheaded filmmakers, who the Scorseses who come out here and go. Marvel's not real cinema. These guys are full of crap because they don't make they don't make half this money. If they call this movie anything, really, else. what it came down to was this is all marketing. Like they just built up the hype around it. By it probably wins it. more Oscars. This is no, this is an economical decision. It's like you're just what we're living in. It's IP that people know. So hey, yeah, DC's at such a terrible point cinematically because they just suck. And this is going to open the door to do movies like this to do art, to do art house films with DC characters, like doing origin stories with characters we've never seen and we don't know that we wanted to see this. And you're competing with the superpower juggernaut and, that is Marvel right and now. They, and they figured you out, hey, something that's different. we can make a movie at a quarter of the cost and probably make triple that. They made they made this movie for $55 million. Yeah. They, they've they already made double made, that. Yeah, they've already made double of that. Like, it's going to, it's it's a it's a home run across the board. It's a home run. And I guess, again, I this is my only gripe in, in this whole film. And I had this gripe before it is like, don't claim that this is not cinema, that, that this genre is not cinema, but then your movie is definitely tapping, if not fully emerged into the into the genre by making these choices. And I understand that DC probably came to the table and said, hey, you know what? You can make this movie, but you have to understand we have to get references to Thomas Wayne and, and Bruce Wayne. Because I think that's what happened. I really do think that's what they had to do. But But this movie doesn't get off the ground without the the joker being the main aspect totally like, i that agree was, and i believe at the beginning of this it was todd or first i think it was martin corsese corsese to direct it yes and leonardo dicaprio to play the joker mm-hmm. and then it changed to todd phillips corsese to ex, to be the producer then the casting changed to joaquin phoenix and then corsese kind of like trickled out of there because so lot lot I'm changed actually... in the two years to this movie I'm thrilled that it wasn't Leo. Leo. I am too. Like I am too. 100%. Phoenix does this perfectly. I don't. But we don't know. Leo could have given us a similar performance. He's, I, he's a good actor. I don't want what I. You I don't saw want... what he did against that bear in that one bear movie. I don't want imaginary acting right now. I want real authentic. And this is what it gave me. And it it was so good that it changed something I've thought for years, which I thought was fantastic. And I I felt I was so just like. Pleasantly surprised is how you would say it, Isaac. I was jaw-droppingly surprised is how I would say it. Where, where do you think this movie maxes out box office-wise? I Probably low, probably $800 million. You think that much? I do. I, I don't, I've already I don't been think telling... it's going to be that much. People, I don't think people... 
I don't think people are going to want to go to this more than once. No, it's yeah, that's the, that's I was just going to say that, Robbie. I said the only thing that's going to hold it back is how many times are people going to go. I say I say 375. Oh, it'll be I, more yeah, than that. I, I'm closer to Mark. I was thinking five hundred, like five. I can sit at six. I can sit. I can safely say I think this will get six hundred. I don't want to sit through this again. No. Like to be honest, like Not I was all. uncomfortable after that, and like I didn't. I don't want to sit through this again. No, I, I don't want to go back and watch it. I don't. I, I don't. I don't have a desire to watch it for a long time. Venom was a bad enough movie that people wouldn't have gone to see twice, right? I mean, and that still made nine hundred million. But but Venom's an action movie. You can take more people to an action movie. Be like, hey, let's go see Venom. Like, you can do that. You don't just take a big group to Joker and be like, ha, let's all go to Joker. Like, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. Like, well, and the other thing is, this as weird as this sounds, this isn't a movie you necessarily want to go by yourself to. I think I went by myself. I I kind of wish I would have gone with somebody to just have that experience. I know I wish I would have. I just didn't want to. What was your first movie? Hang on, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to know that. It was the first Captain America because I wanted to see it so bad, but nobody would go with me. So I was like, "All right, fine, I'm going to see it myself." I don't think you asked enough people. I don't remember being asked. I'm offended. Hey, let's talk about the cultural. Let's talk about the cultural impact of this. Obviously, for uh, it is kind of the time of histor- history right now where um, there are shooters. Who are and I, I don't think this movie is going to be able to avoid this subject be, because of its message. Um, Jarrett made a very very cool, and I I stood by this when he said it was he thought that this movie wasn't really going to have a message, um, and he thought this movie was just going to try to be cute and artsy. And and now after seeing it, I firmly disagree with that that um, belief. Uh, do you think this movie and Robbie, you you've kind of alluded to this. So we're going to start with you. How do you think this is going to affect our culture moving forward? It it terrifies me, to be honest. This movie, for all the great things it does, and the reason I, I'm only giving it a five is that this movie romanticizes shootings. It romanticizes killings. It romanticizes suicide. It makes all of those things seem like something a person with mental illness can do and and in their heads could have a following and people believe them and they could finally have that attention and that glory that they've been seeking and, and that's where it, this movie really scared me and I was really uncomfortable after the movie because I was like I was thinking like I wouldn't be surprised if by the weekend we'd have another we don't have another mass shooting like that that's seriously what I was thinking in my head I don't and I, I really hope that's not true I really hope that doesn't happen. I, I wanted to piggyback on that really quick. I think if any, like I, I could agree with what you're saying, but I think at the end of the day, what I feel like I got out of it is it's more society rebelling against the powerful and the politicians and how we're being treated as a populace. And I think that's, I think I wouldn't say, I think that's, I hope is the message people get is that we should stand together to help people with mental illness and maybe take back what's ours see and and i was on and i was on this that's where max when we were texting back and forth i was like i have these strong feelings i'm not sure if they're 100 warranted and i and i think there's there's two ways you can look at this movie and take you can take you can take like what mark just said where you go like this is we need to help people we need to fight against like you know the one percenters or however you want to say it and we need to make things more even make things right but i think the other way that you can see it is the way that i 
first walking out of the theater saw it, I thought I saw the romanticizing of mass shootings. And and, and I, I said I did that recording on my way home. And, and the best term I use is this is a school shooter's wet dream. This is this is this is a this is a kid that 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 goes does a mass shooting successfully. However, you want to describe a successful mass shooting, and he gets glorified for it. This what I thought. This is my interpretation of this. Okay, so I think it. This movie is so going to be easily misconstrued. That's what I think. Yeah. Because I think you nailed it, Robbie. I do think this is a, a shooter's wet dream, and I believe. That there will be there will be people that walk out of this movie going, "That's me, that is me," wholeheartedly, and they're going to look at that as a good thing. I walked out of this movie, and I'll I'll say it: I am a believer in Jesus Christ, and I walked out of this movie going, "Grace is what separates humans from life and death." I walked out of this movie going, "This this is there was no grace inserted into this story," and you watched as he failed and he failed and there was no grace for his failures. Well, it wasn't was just no him love. failing though. It no, was it also, it was grace. It was everything. It was I was everybody saying, around. Yes. I'm, I'm not no grace. I, I don't want to put a hundred percent blame on him, but no, no, no. He I is, agree. he, he is to blame and on some hundred percent, hundred percent Mark. What I'm saying is, is this is a film that attacks society and I love it. And I love how at the end, how he's sitting there and he puts the grin on his face and and you watch and it's haunting because people are celebrating him. And to me, I was like, that is what our society does with mass shooters. That is what I walked away with, Robbie. I walked away with society needs to internally figure it out. We need to insert grace into the discussion. We need to appreciate love and take care of, as Mark alluded to, our mentally ill kids, young people, adults, older people who have mental illness. This is what I walked out. And I applaud Todd Phillips for that. I applaud him for that because I do see the message and I think it was wonderful. I walked into this movie thinking that this movie was going to make you empathize with Joaquin Phoenix and his character. And really it didn't. It For me anyways, I guess. like It didn't make me empathize with him. It made me see how, like you said, society was celebrating his actions, even though his actions were, you know, terrible. Yeah, horrendous. But it really didn't make me feel for him as a character. And I think that just tells, it just goes to show that the the storytelling, the characters, everything just, everything went together so well. And, and that's why it's a, it's a good movie because, yeah, sorry, go for it. No, the only last thing I was going to say is like, you have, if you're, the reason you have Joker is because we have Batman. The reason Batman is so huge is because he has Joker. And that what that's what makes all the other Batman movies different because when Joker is involved, there's a hero to stop him. In this movie, there's no hero. Joker gets romanticized as a hero. I, I don't think we, I think we understand. Yeah, hero to the He's society. He's the protagonist. That, yeah, he's the protagonist of the things that are going on. If it's ha- if it's actually happening or not, that's you know up for debate. But like that's that's where the balance comes in, and and that's where you guys are talking about society. In society, there's not a superhero to go beat up these bad people. Like it's the government has to do a better job to make things better, so these things don't happen, kind of thing. But there's no there's no masked vigilante out there that's gonna go and stop 
school shooters, mass shooters, people like the Joker, like that, and that's where this movie becomes so real. But it, that's where it also makes it really scary because there's no like, Infinity Gauntlet to snap yeah. it back. And I, I I got one thing I want to get off my mind before I forget it is the scene where uh, Arthur Fleck goes to confront Thomas Wayne at that gala and fundraising. And, you know, there's people protesting outside that. So we're getting the intention that this is, you know, a bunch of powerful politician people. And you go in there and we see the crowd and it's predominantly white people. And, and yes, and we see the people outside enraged and it's a multicultural racial group of people, which I think is a big, like, pointing fingers at this is this is real society going on and not just a film and when and the the when we finally get arthur fleck and thomas wayne confronted with each other in the bathroom arthur fleck's not looking for money charity he is just wanting answers he wants a relationship and the powerful person he wanted a relationship that's it instead of just giving him five minutes punches him in the face and walks away this this movie is the power of relationships. The relationships matter. Love. Relationships are a quintessential piece of the human existence. And healthy relationships can really alter and change a person well. And, and, and unhealthy relationships can really force people to make poor choices. And we need to look internally as an audience member of how are we in our relationships? How are we with the person at the gas station that does not hold value to us? We are a society that that cares about people that hold value to us. And this movie proves that. And and, and it's it's re- it, well, it's real because it totally I, I felt such pity. I I felt pity for this man. And Thomas Wayne called them clowns. He called the people the lesser mm-hmm. people his le- you know in quotations lesser people. Yeah, clowns. The people of power so, gave the names to the people yep. below them. Yep. Anything else in regards to this movie that we want to touch before? Oh my we gosh, get we into should talk about five. the game show part, or not the game show, the 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 Robert De Niro scene. Yeah, let's talk about the yeah, Robert but, De Niro but scene. One thing I want, I really want to touch is like, I think someone had said like his mother was supporting. His mother wasn't supporting. His mother burned him when he, when she, he was giving her a bath, and he was like, "I'm going to be a comedian, mom." He's like, "Don't you have to be funny to be a comedian?" And I was like, "Oh." We yeah. find out she let him get abused. Yeah, but that, that I'm saying that was in the beginning. My context was appeared, yeah. she, she appeared to be supportive in the totally. beginning. And then it was the progression of the whole story. It's like, wow, this they lady They keep taking is... the rug underneath you. The whole movie, they keep going like, hey, this person's good. Psych. Hey, this person's good. Psych. Like the guy when he like, the, the guy at the uh, workplace is like, hey, man. You need a gun next time. There's a gun. And then we find out that like, he, he what? told their boss that he tried to buy a gun yeah, off of him. Exactly. So he okie doked him. Like there was literally nobody that had his back. We need to talk about we need to talk about Gary. We need to talk about we need to talk about the scene with Murray. Murray. Let's talk about the scene with Murray. Let's talk was... about the scene with Murray. Go ahead with Murray. So obviously, probably the scene that will you'll be able to watch that YouTube clip when that movie comes out a lot. The di- the dialogue between De Niro and and uh, and ironically this this clown this Joker that he Arthur Fleck. He created. He created him. Murray totally created him and mocked him. Society ended and brought him on the show to continue mocking him. His father figure. His father figure named him. Yeah, he named him. Gave birth to him. Basically, it was a very intense scene, and the dialogue between them, even though it's like kind of awkward, just based on uh, Arthur Fleck, you know, the character. It's it's so hauntingly 
like it just draws you into it and you're just like what like what is going on right now i i don't i don't understand it but it's it's hard to pull away from because you're just so drawn into the conversation and and how calm he is yeah because we get yeah. the movie that he has a lot of nervous tics like with the shaking of the legs and he's just relaxed well, and we and talked cool about it sitting there yeah we talked about it earlier but he's kind of just accepted his who he thinks he is now so that just makes him more even how, how did you say it robbie he's evil evilly um confident evil confidence yeah he has this evil, evil confidence. confidence about him so he's not yeah he's not making those nervous tics which at the beginning of the movie he was making them just when he got in awkward situations like he wouldn't even he wouldn't even talk and he would just start laughing and now he's having this full-on conversation on national tv with other people around him and it is just it's just a that that was my i mean i'm already revealing some some of my top moment later in but that was my favorite movement of the whole film and when he just stands up and shoots uh uh Murray, that was the moment where i was like oh this is a good movie <laughs> i was like holy crap i that i i did not expect that cuz i you know they build it up like he's going to shoot himself and then all of a sudden he turns around and he's just like all right this is who i am i'm going to murder this dude on live te- live television like that was the moment that I was like, "Holy crap! All right, I'm I'm in on this movie right now." <laughs> the best shot of the whole movie came when he's sitting in the back room, and he crosses his legs and he sits there and and he's he's on the left, and you see in the in the, in the on the mirror it says, "Put a smile on," don't forget to put a smile on your face, and then it's behind him. It's got this like almost evil look from Murray, and you can totally see like this is where it came from. Everybody was telling him to do this. Everything around him was telling him to do this. The lights were on him. Oh, this is... I don't know why this sparked my mind. It's, it's, a, but it's a beautiful shot. I I don't know if like's the right word, but like the whole time he's smoking, like the whole movie. Yeah. The whole movie, yeah. Like an addiction. Like just it's his crutch in a sense. Like I don't... There's very little scenes where he's not smoking. So... I, I, and, and even that is iffy nowadays in a lot of big movies to put smoking in like that's kind of another huge part and this wasn't like one or two cigarettes it was like he was a chain well, smoker was, and, yeah. and that kind of points to the tone of the like i mean you guys got the sense that it was like a late 80s slash 90s film maybe even maybe mid 80s i don't know oh, what were you thinking i was thinking late 70s, i was thinking okay. late 70s yeah just with yeah, the style so, of dress i don't know that was they did a really good job with just the that uh like the setting or whatever they did i felt like just fit with the tone of the movie but there's one thing and maybe i'm getting off topic here but the <laughs> the off topic right the the one thing that i would thought was weird was here we are in the maybe 70s or 80s or whatever and the elite one percent crowd is watching a silent movie with a projector in the opera house i was like okay i mean yeah, that's a fancy thing to do. Yeah, but still, were people doing we, that? We in the don't. 70s we and don't 80s? understand that, Max. What would you comment on that? <laughs> Have you watched a silent film in an opera house? Like, Max? why do why do why do rich people go to the opera? Like, it's just it's just a it's a thing that you do if you have money that other people can't afford to do. Yeah, you know? but the opera is different than a silent film. I know, but but when you put it in that setting, because it was a. It was it was a fundraiser, wasn't it? It was some sort of fundraiser thing. Like it was a 
they were just going to go and have a show. Then they're probably going to go drink afterwards, whatever. Like that was just part of the entertainment for the night. Like, and I believe that was a Buster Keaton movie too. If I'm getting my cinema, what was that? It was a Buster Keaton movie. I thought it was Charlie Chaplin. Tomato, tomato. Um, so a couple more like homages to, and this is Heath Ledger Joker. Robbie always talk about Heath Ledger, but, um, but in the Mur- in in the Murray scene, after he kills Murray and he shoots him once and then shoots him again, and he's kind of like, "Do I shoot him again?" That's that's totally taken from Heath. Like Heath would do those weird things, like he would do something and he's like, "Should I do more?" And then he would like look around and kind of figure out, like, "Should I do more now?" I'm not sure. And then like, because there's all these weird things running around in his head. And but didn't then- Joaquin Phoenix say he didn't watch any previous Jokers? So. No, I don't know if you can give a homage. No, to he that, made though. he did a he did an interview and he he said some really good things about Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, he had to. Oh, okay. So, okay. but then but then but then they do another homage to Heath where he goes up to the camera and that that's one of my favorite scenes I think from a holy crap I'm kind of pissing my pants right now when he walks up to the camera and he has that confident like evil confident yeah, look he's on like his talking face talking to his audience what he believes is his audience yeah that's pretty. That was pretty creepy. Yeah, pretty remarkable. Hey, let's get into the top five. The we're going in three. Infinity Bros. Two. Top five. One. List starts now. Okay. You know I always take a break to put my bumper in there, and then you say okay. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, Gosh, you're so annoying. I'm sorry that we're friends. Yeah, it's fine. Friendship. It's all about relationships. So did we create Mark then? Are we the problem here? Is that what this movie is trying to tell me? That I created Mark? Oh, we, Mark? we enable him for sure. Well, I don't. Uh, you're his You're his bigness, You're his biggest enabler. No. 100%. No, I'm not. Yes, you are, because you don't give him the attention he wants. That is not enabling him. That is you, me yeah, saying I'm not going to bow down to you. In Mark's point of view, you're enabling him. I no, try no, 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 to no, no, love no, no. Mark. I try to get things from Mark, and he gives me nothing. You you just throw him to the curb, and he yeah, sends you You, you and I pops. are on the opposite ends of the spectrum here, Robbie. <laughs> you want all the attention I'm getting from Mark, and I want him to go away and go to you. Yet here we are creating our own little joker, Mark. God. You better watch out 1%. Shut up. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Just shut up. Oh my gosh, you have a house and a garage. You're a one percenter. I feel like I've never said Whoa. that. Yeah, you <laughs> would. That's something you totally say to me. You have a garage? I you win. have a dog. We have a dog. Good for you. Then you're a one percenter too. <laughs> We're going to get into the top five. Go, go, top five. <laughs> go, go, top five bumper. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're going to get into the top five Joker moments from our perspectives. Uh, every week we like to do a top five segment, Water Cooler Talk, and this is ours. Once again, this is a spoiler review. If you're at this point of the podcast and you didn't know this is a spoiler review, I don't want to get any more um, communication of, why is the spoiler review? I don't want to get that. We've gotten that. I don't want to get it. Just don't listen until you've seen it. Who's, okay? who's giving you that? Isaac's gotten we've, some we've gotten tweets that. from people. Also, Isaac's guests have been like, 
So I skipped to this part, and then there was more spoilers. We said there was going to be spoilers. No, see, okay, the one, the one that they commented on was the Toy Story four one, which I don't think we probably gave adequate spoilers because it was like Toy Story four. So we didn't. I guess. I guess we didn't feel like we needed to give a spoiler uh, warning. But I also don't care. I also don't care. Max isn't. Yeah, Max doesn't care about the Infinity Bros universe. That's what we're hearing here. No, I. I'm just saying if if, if we are reviewing a movie, it's going to be a spoiler review. But we've reviewed movies that haven't been spoiled. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. like hot or snot. That's different. No, 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 no. We've reviewed movies where we didn't spoil anything. What movie? I mean, if we're doing a full segment on it, we usually do a spoiler review. But yeah, hotter, hotter snot. If it's hotter, if it's hotter mm. snot, I get it. But if three or four of us are talking about, it, we're gonna spoil it. I just, I don't know. All right, let's move on. Here we go. Let's go top five. We're gonna start with Mark. Mark, we're gonna start with you. Oh, okay. I was gonna prove you wrong with the, what movie it was, but I'll do my top five instead. Yeah, you'll have plenty I'll of time d- after d- you do your top five to you, figure out what movie. You're it right. Was. You're right. My bad. I'm sorry. So my top five for Joker. Um, my fifth moment or i guess i don't know if this would be an exact moment because we see the progression is just this emotional turmoil and seeing that progression to get worse and then in a sense get better for him as a person and the scene i know it was in the trailer but like the scene where he is looking himself in the mirror in the beginning like all makeuped up and you know isn't smiling and like over you know puts his fingers in his mouth make him smile and cries and just feeling that this dude is just full of internal pain and struggle and um yeah hit home anyways number four uh finding out about his past through his mom like kind of figuring that out and kind of you know finding out that she's really more of a monster than what we have like max said the rug was just taken out under her Finding out that she was in an abusive relationship. She let her boyfriend abuse him in whatever sense it was. Chained to a radiator. And it makes, I mean, an adoption too, which makes me think like, is that another swerve? Like, was he really adopted or is he actually Thomas's Wayne's Uh, bastard child? But like, why would this person who we were told was mentally ill beforehand be allowed to adopt? But I digress. And then on top of that, you know, finding out like that Sophie hadn't been a part of anything besides, I mean, at least by his side in a sense. Mark, can I piggyback for one second? Yeah, go ahead. So when they talk about he was tied to the radiator and his mom goes, he was always such a happy child. Do you think that's when he started developing the the mental illness? Oh, that's what they talked about. The the laughing, the laughing. She, she, She made him do it. Well, and they said he had a head injury, right? That's... Like when they yeah he had the he police had multiple head injuries and that and led like to that. the thing that uh, we shared on our Facebook is one of the reviews talking about oh, that yeah. disorder Caveat. that leads um, from a brain actually, injury me, and trauma that because that is a fantastic review yeah. that honestly is basically a summary. So um, dude, I thought that was pretty spot on, and gave an office friends friends that I thought yes, watching it like yes. the cringe moments right. where you're like I yeah. want to so, change okay, the so channel but I'm on... in a movie theater. <laughs> If you guys like, are I can't on look Facebook, at my phone for 10 seconds. Faith and Fandom Finding God in Geek Culture uh, page. And they did a Joker review that is just spot on. Like, everything about it, I was like, yes, yes. And I hadn't even seen it yet. Yeah. 
Yep. So it is it is a really spot on review. Um, go check that out on Facebook. Um, and that that was the part that I was just like, yes, the the moments that are just cringy to watch. Like there are moments during the office where I'm literally watching my TV through my hands because it's so cringy. And there are moments mm-hmm. in. Did you put your hands over your face during those? There, during there those are moments? some moments like that in Joker, and there was one moment in particular. And now I'm trying to remember which moment it was, and I, I don't remember specifically. But there was a moment in the theater where I actually put my hands kind of like on my forehead, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, like this is this is hard to watch right now." But yes, really good um, summary of the Joker movie. So check that out. Sorry, Mark, keep going. No, no, no problem. It's not like I never interject any of you guys. It's all right. <laughs> Number three, um, I'd say the subway scene is kind of, I feel like the catalyst that launches him off. Because totally. we get to a point where he's been given the gun because someone that he th- thought he could trust said, you need to protect yourself. And that's exactly what he did. And that blew up in the news and world of Gotham into something bigger. And then, you know, the whole media taking the story saying that, you know, these innocent you know, Wall Street dudes gunned down when in reality Arthur was just defending himself because he had been told by somebody he trusted you need to defend yourself next time this happens. And it did happen again. And, you know, that shot off to what, I mean, that's, you could almost say that's, well, it was his first killing. So, or at least what were perceived to be his first kills and led him to become and develop into the, the Joker. Um, my number two I'd say the game show, or not, why I, I even wrote game show, the talk show scene. Um, it's just the whole, and this will lead into my number one, like how he just changes as a person, whether or not that's what the audience sees. Is that real? Did that really happen? How it happened? And or did he finally just buy into who he knew he was supposed to be and is comfortable with what he is and just lets and maybe the medication started wearing off so that's who he actually is as a person just kind of on edge mentally ill person that has no morals and stuff like that because like you said didn't have did have no grace or any proper moral upbringing no relationships and not saying i mean well anyways moving on um so like that whole scene just kind of the development of seeing him confess those murders and just see uh de niro's character just like, I feel like he didn't believe him right away. And then you saw him, like, change. You're like, oh, gosh, this dude's real. And as a television show host, just instead of stop the cameras and, like, end it, he was like, oh, this is for ratings. So going back to that, it's like, this could be the most evil thing. And at the end of the day, I'm going to keep going for ratings and money. I felt like he got offended as a one percenter. Like, yeah, however you want to say it, one percenter. He, he was, like, offended as a one percenter. But he, but he is because of his stature and, and celebrity. Well, yeah, and even even Arthur Fleck points that out in the interview. He's like, hey, you're like all those other people that don't care about us. Do you even leave the building, Murray? And then my number one is the ending of this film. How, how I, like, I hate, I, I kind of hate endings like this, but I kind, and at the same time, I'm all right with how the Joker ended, where it's like, is all we saw just, like he said, a joke? Or are there bits yeah. and pieces that are real and the joke he wanted to tell her 
was at the end of the day, Thomas Wayne got gunned down because of what I started. And I don't know if, you know, the only people that could tell us as the writers if what happened, what didn't happen. So at the end of the day, in a canon universe, did this happen? Or did it not happen? Or did some of it happen, but most of it didn't happen? At least for sure, Thomas Wayne got gunned down. Right. And, you know, you know what I kind of want? I want, and this is perfect for Joaquin Phoenix being his age, is we could get a 15 years down the road. You're Joe, not going to get it. Hang on. Let me finish. You're not going to get hey, it. Hey, shut your mouth. Just shh. Shh. Let me, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Just another 1% or putting down the putting down the hardworking man. Hell yeah, brother. And um, so we get a movie, I, maybe another art house film where it's, Bruce Wayne going into Arkham, and we just get an interaction at the, at the minimum with Joaquin Phoenix in the hospital as as Joker. And that's all I gotta say. That's my top. Yeah, five. maybe top five. Yeah, well, I want a million dollars. That ain't happening either. <laughs> yeah, of course, one percenters want a million dollars <laughs> on top of their one million dollars. <laughs> bang bang. All hey, right, Max, I'll, what's your top five? I'll do my top five list. So I didn't can. like how the one percenters were pushed down the whole movie. So my number six is I don't like how you guys have been calling me a one percenter. Um, well, we don't have to. You are what you eat. Caviar and... Okay, I was like, where are you going Champagne and the bubbly. Yeah, yeah you, had to, you had to really backpedal to get that joke going. <laughs> For a second, I was like, where are we going with this, Mark? I'm good on my feet. <laughs> I'm good on my feet. Of course you are. Um... <laughs> up in the pantry we don't call it a pantry um here we go uh number five is the thomas wayne bathroom scene um to kind of i i think you guys really nailed it with how he did not want anything but a relationship and to kind of see thomas wayne bruce wayne's dad be a dick was like different. I've always had this interpretation of Thomas Wayne as being this upstanding guy. And I would agree with that, but I guess more context to it. Like if he's been harassed by his no, no, mom, no, I understood the context. Okay. I, no, no, no. I, I totally get like, if a like guy you, you comes and you touches my kid, Oh and yeah. Makes him does that smile thing. Yeah. I'm probably punching the guy in the face. Yeah, okay. I don't care how much okay. money I got in my bank account. Right. So I, I understood the decision making, but to look at it from the lens of Arthur mm-hmm. was really interesting. And I just really appreciated that. Number four is the Bruce Wayne scene. I mean, just like that scene was so good. I, I we haven't even talked about that scene. Went yeah at the gate, and just how you are watching this, and you just as an audience member know this is like one of the greatest rivalries in the history of fiction, and to just watch him make him do that smile, and Bruce doesn't do anything. He just ta- he just sits there and then he takes it and then he, he ends it and he takes just a step back. He's calm, he's collected, he's a child, but you can he's still Batman. sense he's Batman. As weird as that sounds. Um Wait, and, yeah. And I just I really enjoyed that scene and they're that not false. Batman would not let someone just come up to his face and put a smile on it. It was a false. very Batman esque <laughs> scene of like not changing emotion and not giving weak showing weakness in that time. Um and they're never going to do it, but it, it would be really cool to see him do a do a movie with a real with a Batman. It would be cool, but it's not going to happen. No, they're going to they, if anybody they do it with Robert Pattinson. Um, I really enjoyed the bathroom scene after he runs away, killing those guys. Um, and I, I thought I was it, surprised by that. 
Yeah, it was it was this it was very creepy. It was very awkward and it was very it was the most uncomfortable scene in the whole movie for me. Um and it was it was just evil. But I really enjoyed the scene. I thought it was a really I thought it was the most artistically sound scene top to bottom. Not the best shot. I think the best shot was right before Murray gets killed. Um Number 2 is the realization of Sophie not liking him. It this this it's funny you guys didn't see him. Well, Isaac, you said this. Maybe you two, maybe you and Mark and Robbie did. But I did not see. I totally saw him killing Murray the whole way. I was like, he's totally not killing himself. He's killing Murray, and he's going to start an anarchy. But I did not see Sophie. For whatever reason, it just never clicked to me. I just assumed there was something up that they had just that I had just missed a key detail that she had known him before, and I just had missed it. And I thought they played that really well. And um, it really has challenged my whole viewing of this movie. Seeing it a second time would probably be beneficial for challenging what's real and what's not. Just like watching Westworld a yeah, second time. Just it's like, like it's watching, like, yeah, it's like seeing watching all the little World details. Or it's like watching The Sixth Sense, you know, a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I think these that's the, that's what this movie does with that. And, I mean, even the ending, we do talk about it too. Like, is any of it real? No. Is, is all – that's kind of – I love that. I think that's great. Um, <laughs> Todd would have to let us know. <laughs> And then finally, I think the Murray Franklin killing is my favorite scene. To watch him fully transform, to watch him go from a unbelievably um, uncomfortable person to to this confident, strong villain who is that he is my Joker. Joaquin Phoenix is my Joker, and I'm I'm putting it out there right now. He is my Joker, not Jared Leto, not no, especially not Jared Leto. And I I just Robbie, you don't have to give it a six because I'll give it a six for you. And I think it's dangerous. I totally agree. And I think it I think me articulating that I'm changing sides on the Joker actor perspective should say everything you should people should know about this movie, in my opinion, that 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 how he has changed the genre forever. And that should that should hold a lot of weight because you were 100 percent against this movie. Or ninety percent. I was pretty much against it. Yeah, you're like I was very against this. This is going to be muff. It's going to be terrible. Totally. And I walked out, and I'm like, and I like, and Robbie, when we were texting. My thought was this movie's awesome and I have no reason to not like it. I'm trying to find a reason not to like it and I can't. And I Yeah, that the only reason I didn't give it a 6 is because I think it scares me. It like, scares me, but I think That's that's the only I, like as a, as a movie, like as a piece of art, yeah, as a This as is a Todd form Phillips. of film like it's a 6. It just yeah. that little bit cuz I, I I just it scares me to romanticize things like that and totally. that's the only reason I this don't is, give it a 6. This is Todd Phillips calling out woke culture. This is what this is what Todd Phillips is doing in this and I I think it's fantastic. And I Well, and I think it's interesting that it only has like a 74% on Rotten Tomatoes and I think that's because of that woke culture totally. is looking at it maybe maybe even through kind of how my eyes are is that this is kind of a scary film. But it's like but they're supposed to be critics and like as a critically, this movie is near perfect. Borderline like, flawless. Borderline. Yeah, like and it's, it's so like that's why I don't incredible. I don't buy that it only has a seventy five percent. Like those guys are nitpicking and they're like trying to figure out how do we knock this movie down. Like no, as a movie and exactly yeah right you're right Robbie this movie as a whole is there's no problem. It's it's the the fat has been trimmed. I mean the only thing I could say you could take out is the the uh, Thomas Wayne parents killing part. But that plays right to the end. Is like I like I think that's what the audience is supposed to believe is like that is the joke he wants to tell, and he thinks that's funny. Agreed. I wholeheartedly agree. I, I this if Heath Ledger won 
won Best Actor for that performance, which I don't think holds a candle best to this performance. Best Supporting. Best Supporting. I'm sorry, Best Supporting. Well, even if you won an Oscar for that, this is a Best Actor performance. But the Academy's, I'm going to call it now, they're not going to give it to him. No, he'll get nominated. He'll get a nomination, but I don't think Well, okay, what's what's it's the Oscar and Academy Awards, right? Are those two different ones? What, what's the other one? Oscars Oscars are the Academy Awards. Oh, my bad. What's yeah. the other one? The... There's the ones Golden, Golden Globe, Golden Globe, pro- Golden Globe. On, on that, he'll probably win a Golden Globe. Although win everything because they're more progressive. Um, but yeah, the Academy. I still think he has a chance, and no, it's gonna be a lot of push. They're nominate him. They're not gonna give it. If, yeah, if they give get, it to him, it's a huge win for the genre. Yeah. But they won't. But they won't. But but you know what? Comic book movies aren't cinema. They just aren't. Because <laughs> Scorsese said it. Because he said it. As he's making a movie for Netflix. Not screw not that, even going to be in the as, as Also, yeah, as he helped out. make a comic book movie. Yeah, seriously. That without without the comic book ties and, doesn't make And, and took his right. name off of it, yeah. in a sense, too. Whatever. All right. Uh, let's go to Robbie uh, with your top five list, and then we will close it out. Um, I have two honorable mentions. Uh, my first honorable mention is the Joker in Hospital scene that you guys have all been talking about when he starts doing a... He starts saying the that's life song i mean that that whole moment is just kind of eerie it makes you question the entire movie it, it's it has to be one of the best scenes in the movie <clears throat> um my next honorable mention would be what pick it back off of what max said but that bathroom scene after the killing um and i thought he was gonna go into that bathroom and be like distraught like just destroyed like he was gonna be terrified and then he does he starts dancing and like he's he's most comfortable it's almost he's been. it what's that most comfortable he's been probably his whole yeah. life yeah and it, and it was it was so weird because up into the up into the killing point like he had just had so much anguish and he was such a disturbed person and you think after he kills someone like kills some people like this is before like the news broke and like everyone was kind of talking about it he just killed those people and he was yeah, I guess happy with with what he had just done because he, I don't know, he finally got out that anger and used it on someone else, and that just threw me for a loop when he started dancing. I was just like, wow, okay, this is this guy's definitely a psycho. Most uncomfortable been, scene in the whole there. movie by a mile. Um, and then so now getting into my top five, my number five would be him learning about his past. Um, when you start seeing that. He's not Thomas Wayne's son. He's, from what we know, he's adopted. Um, He, you know, was chained to the radiator. Probably, that's probably where he developed that laugh. And his mother just thought he was a happy child when he was just dealing with all that, that pain that he was going through. And he was dealing with it through laughter because that's probably what his mom was telling him to do. Is like, you just have to laugh about it and put a smile on us, put a smile on your face, even though you're tied to a radiator and your life is terrible <laughs> um my number four and this was i'm i'm up in the air about what was the most uncomfortable scene in this movie for me my number four is here because of how uncomfortable and it's the stand-up scene when he's on stage and he just starts laughing and you, and you know that there's people just watching him like you yeah, it's a super cringy moment. You're just sitting there in the theater and you're cringing too. And like you know all those people that are watching him are cringing and you're just like, "Oh my gosh, like 
this is and like up until that point he's building 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 like he wants to be a stand-up comedian he's working on it he has a book and also that book was really weird like if you saw like some of the freeze frames on oh it oh my where he gosh had, the book was frightening that was freaky um but then but but yeah so then you that stand-up scene was just so uncomfortable and you know it's uncomfortable but then they play it off like he gets to being comfortable and he starts saying jokes and they have a laugh track and the lights on him so for him it's like this crowning achievement because he has Zaza Beats there I can't even think of her name in the movie I just like saying Zaza Beats Sophie Sophie and it's Zaza Zaza I don't care Zazzy Beats Zaza 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 Zazzy whatever but like like it's a crowning moment for him but for you as a viewer you're like this is terrible like this is cringy it's uncomfortable that, yeah that's where that's how it gets to be my number four um number three would be the murray killing i think we've all talked about it i don't think we need to go much more in depth on it the only thing i'd say is what i said earlier the heath ledger uh homages in it are are incredible and i didn't i didn't actually notice them as they happened until i started thinking about the movie at the end it's like the movements he has are very heath ledger joker-esque where he's just kind of like not really sure what to do here and then he he like an actor portrays what he thinks he should be doing he goes up to the camera he has that evil confidence about him and yeah just an uncomfortable and shocking scene as well um my number two and and it's my number two because it's a comic book movie and it's, it's joker meeting young bruce and i don't think i don't think we've ever seen that ever and like he you know he tries he's trying to entertain bruce at first and then he does that smile and i thought he was gonna choke him like i just thought he's gonna kill bruce right here and that's how they're gonna make it so there's never gonna be a batman in this universe like i thought he was looking at this child as the child that he should have been you know like he should have been the the kid living in the super rich house but no this kid is here in my place like, I thought that was going to be the extra turn. And then he gives a look to Alfred in that scene where you see the madness in his eyes. Like, as he's talking to Alfred, and you're just like, through a gate this guy is going to go off the deep end soon. <laughs> and then, obviously, he, he chokes Alfred. And Alfred needs to figure out how to get out of a chokehold. I mean, that was pretty pathetic on Alfred's part. But... <laughs> Through a gate, too. Like, come on, Alfred. Like, you're supposed to be British intelligence. Like, let's go. Like, that was Or he's part. just a thick man. Or he's just he looked a thick, thick man. He, he looked big. He did look thick. He had a three-piece suit on. He's thick. He did. I, I'm just saying. He looked big. Alfred the thought. Yeah. But, but yeah, that, that, that scene is just... If if it's if you're going to call it a comic book movie, that's my yeah, favorite. Yeah, it's a comic, comic book movie. We're, we're calling it that. Yeah, that, that's my favorite comic book movie tying scene because it's something we haven't seen before we haven't seen the joker meet little kid bruce and like i really thought he was gonna choke bruce and kill him like i thought that was gonna happen and we were gonna be like we don't have a batman here and i think that would have actually tied in well with the whole there's no hero coming kind of thing i mean maybe I, I'm all in. Now I'm all in. Oh my gosh, Isaac. I'm excited. <clears throat> I'm 
I like my universe that I'm creating. Anyway, <laughs> in my number one, and and Isaac kind of touched on it, but it's it's Joker killing Gary in his apartment and letting Randall, who is Lay Gill, letting Randall go. I I, I don't. It, it's hard to explain because there's so many good moments in this movie, but I keep coming back to. He's standing in his living room, kitchen, whatever. He has both hands, arms are cr- like far out. Yeah, that part and was he, like, creepy. Looks up and right face, now, man. he yeah. is he's he's in the process of turning into the Joker. He has his green hair. He just dyed it. He has all white on his face, and like that face. If they would have kept just that face as the Joker face, I would have been terrified. And and that I was like legit. That was the only time in this movie where we joked about it being a scary movie, but I was actually scared of like that look that he gave. Like his eyes were darkened, his face is white, the green hair, plus with his how his body is just shaped, and like you know he's going through this transformation. He had just shown like his plan for what he's gonna do. He's gonna kill himself is what he was selling on. And then you kind of you're starting to see the wheels are turning like he's he's going to do something more. And then Gary walks in with with Randall and I think they were just walking in to console him. They they brought beer or whatever it is. They're saying they heard about your mother and want to be sorry about that. And Gary starts talking about. Um, oh my gosh, we didn't even touch on that. He kills his mom or the person that he. That was at the peak of like this. That was also at the peak of the of the uh, of the snoring for me. Okay. So like I was in my head like that was probably the scene the most that I missed just because I was like I'm gonna freak out. But but yeah so they yeah so they come in and they're consoling him and then Gary starts asking the questions and I think he actually grabbed the scissors after they came into the apartment. I don't think he had them in his hand. Oh, was it before? Okay. Okay. No, no, he was. It was before he was cutting. He was cutting his hair because he was. He had dyed his hair and he was like messing with his hair. He he, he grabbed the scissors before because I I just remember him grabbing the scissors and I thought no, they were. No, he grabbed them before, before. Like once the door was ringing, he grabbed the scissors because he he was killing whoever came in the door. I'm assuming he thought it was the cops because the cops were still look kind of looking for him. Um, and. and and here's here's where the the kind of the transformation it take. I don't know how to say this. It's an interesting turn, because the Joker is is so known for just killing, unapologetically doesn't really have a rhyme or reason. He kills Gary. We all saw that was coming because Gary kind of ratted on him, told him that he had the thirty eight. The cops came around, whatever. And then there's Randall, and and he's sitting there covered in blood, and he's just like. Randall, you can go. You've always been nice to me. And you're just like, oh. And you feel for Randall because, Rand- I mean, Randall's a little person. Like, there's no way he's going to fight off a guy who just killed someone in his apartment. Yeah, but he, but he, uh, but he couldn't reach the lock. And, yeah, that, and then you get, and then you get to the. actually like, that was the only funny oh part gosh, of the whole movie. And, that, and that's where sure. you're uncomfortable. You're now you're, he just killed a guy. He's covered in blood he's helping a little person open a door and he's being nice and he kisses Randall on the head. 
and it's 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 so it's it's another just uncomfortable moment because I feel like even if it wasn't a little person, anyone would have been uncomfortable there. But it gets more uncomfortable because now Randall, this little person, and like maybe this is some sort of sign, but this little person has to rely on the Joker to open a door for him. And I don't know that that whole scene really has been sticking in my head it's just the white face the killing and then being nice to randall because randall was nice to him and that's another thing like max was saying like if you have relationships like you can be you can do good things and be a good person he had he obviously had a somewhat positive relationship with randall and he helped randall he was like go ahead and you can go open the door for him kiss him on the head because that was probably one of the positive relationships in his entire life that he had and, and yeah, I don't. I, there's not much more to say about that. And then, yeah, no, 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 none of us touched on him killing his mom, which is amazing. Well, hey guys, it's been a full conversation, a full episode. Um, great job today. I think all of us can agree. If you haven't seen Joker, first off, what are you doing listening to this point? Well, first off, you should go watch all the Hangovers, and then <laughs> yeah, you need yeah, to get the context. Todd Phillips yeah, Todd Phillips. Movies. <laughs> yeah, top, yeah, whatever. But no, I I I think we've said everything we need to say. Hey, thanks so much again for listening to us. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter uh, at the Infinity Bros. Just look us up for just look us up Infinity Bros. You'll find us. You got any feedback for us? We'd love to hear it, especially on this episode. As you've listened, maybe you have opinions on Joker. What's your top five? What do you think was awesome about this movie? Did you like it? Do you give it a six out of six? Uh, just email us at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com. Isaac, thanks for coming on, man. Always a pleasure. Robbie, I hope this uh, filled your DC needs. It was a good day. <laughs> it was a good day. That was a win for the DC fanboy. And the other DC fanboy, Mark. Mark, you drove all the way down here this morning to come record live. Thanks for doing that, man. You're welcome. Yeah. I do it for the brand and for the Infinity Bros universe. For the brand, baby. Mark brand, is all baby. in. It's awesome. So. Hashtag all in. I don't even know what that means. So. You know 100% of what all in means. You know more than most what it means. <laughs> yeah. Well, have a wonderful rest of your day. We will talk to you guys soon. We love you guys 3,000. We'll see ya. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Infinity Bros. Feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>